This is the fifth and final week of this series called Asking for a Friend. It's kind of sad because I I have been enjoying this series. I don't know about you, but but I can speak from my own self and my own experience. I've had a lot of fun with this series, and it's kind of bittersweet for it to finally end, but but I'm excited to kind of hit this off. This is, again, another great topic, but uh, just to recap, week one, I uh, if you haven't been here, if you haven't been here for the past couple of weeks and you haven't heard anything from the series, let me just recap you. Week one, uh, we talked about uh, sexuality for the past two weeks. The first two weeks, we talked about uh, homosexuality, and we talked about uh, gender identity issues for week one. And then week two, uh, we talked about sexual sin. We talked about lust and pornography. I hit that on the week two. And then week three, I talked about, for the week three and four, I talked about mental health. I talked about depression and anxiety. And then last week, I hit, uh, not last week, the week before, I hit suicide and self-harm. And then we had life groups last week because of kids camp. Um, and so for... The fifth and final week of this series, as we finish it off tonight, obviously I wanted to celebrate, got us pizza and coffee and wanted to celebrate, um, obviously because we haven't had pizza in a hot minute, so I wanted to do that as well. But for the last week of this series, um, the topic tonight is on the topic of grief. That is our topic tonight. The topic tonight is grief. Turn me up just a little bit. I feel like I'm really pulling, pulling my voice. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Okay, cool. Thanks, Matt. Um, tonight's um, tonight's topic is grief. I'm not just going to be talking about, obviously, when you think of grief, we're going to be talking about, you know, maybe a loss in your family or a loss um, of a friend that has passed. We're going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about loss and the afterlife. But also, I know there are certain griefs in this room and the way that we grieve differently from not just someone passing, but maybe a disappointment in your life, and I want to get into that topic tonight. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 73, verse 26, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength, is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for getting us through this series. I pray, Lord, for this last week as we talk about grief, Lord. I pray that you will speak through me, Lord. I can't do this by myself, Lord. I'm gonna, I need your help to speak this the right way. I pray, Lord, that this would fall on their hearts, Lord, that they would take this, Lord, and use it for the, to, to bless other people, but maybe even just to bless themselves, Lord. Let them take this word wherever they go. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start off with, um, my own experience, the only people in my life that I've, uh, that I've seen physically pass away are my two grandparents on my dad's side. Those are the only people that I've actually really experienced uh, death in the family. And um, for my grandmother, I, I, the thing is about, about them is that I, I knew them, but there wasn't no actual connection. Like I didn't really know them, know them, but we were very, very close with them, but we, I just wasn't as connected. And, um, we saw my my grandmother a lot. We used to go to her house all the time. She had lived like 10 minutes from us, but the, the one that hit me more that I never really talked about, even with myself 
is my grandfather. Um, we call him Papa Tony. His real name's Antoine. So I wanted to, I wanted to shout out that Cajun name. Um, his name is, I would call him Tony for short. Um, we, the thing about the way I was closer with, we, the way our family was closer with him was my parents took the sacrifice and obligation to take care of him. We didn't want him to go into a nursing home, so we wanted to take care of him for as long um, as we could. And we took care of him, I think, seven years. Right, Anna? I'm trying to remember. Nine years? Okay, so I was two years off. Nine years. Um, he had gone through multiple, um, I, I can't even count how many strokes he, the, uh, my grandfather had gone through. And we, we took care of him. So I didn't really connect with him in any type of way of emotion or mental because he could, he could barely talk. He had so many strokes, but, but for nine years, I, I was young, but I, I, I saw him all the time and all this stuff, but something about him passing hit me a little bit hard. And I wasn't like, I wasn't like crying over 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 my head like I wasn't like close close but there was some type of attachment that I had with my grandfather that it, it really it really caught me by surprise and even though he had been through all the strokes and he was it was literally his time this was still more of a connection I've learned something about grief though and I want y'all to listen very carefully grief is not just you losing someone grief is losing something that you were really really attached to Grief is more of an attachment more than just, oh, somebody died in the family or, oh, this person died. You get more shocked. When I was younger, we, we lost, uh, uh, Callie and, and Anna lost a, a friend in a car wreck long ago, uh, back in, uh, when we were going to our saviors. And I didn't know her. I did, her name was Abigail. I barely knew her. She hung out with mainly Callie, but, um, but I never knew her. Never really, Connected with her, she was just Callie's friend. But because we, ha- I had seen her a lot, and, and there was, and even when I would talk to Callie about it when we were younger, there was an attachment. Grief is more of something is detaching from you, not just like Velcro, but like more of like like glue, glue. When you like example with a band aid, I really I really want to invent gorilla band aids. Y'all know like gorilla glue, gorilla band aids. I think that would be so funny, but that would really really hurt. And I thought about that. I thought about like, like, like that in Gorilla Glue, like something that's ripping off of you and it's so painful to the point where you are head over, head over, almost said head over heels, head over. Okay. I brain farted over the fact that, that something is detaching from you. That's what grief does. Grief feels like a detachment. And, and the, and the reason why I realized that was not just because the death of that sound of death, not a death in the, not just a death in the family, but even separation from someone or something. Grief is not just losing somebody, but it's losing something that you were attached to. The thing about grief is grief. God uses grief. Obviously we read it in his word. God uses disappointments in our life for us to grow, but it takes us down two paths. The path of growth, the path of gratitude, the path of joy, it can teach us to grow or grief can ultimately bring us to our grave. It can bring us to where we're dead to a lot of things. And another thing that I learned was that grief, if not, because because you have the ability and the permission to grieve. 
anything in your life, whether it's a little loss or a big loss, you can grieve anything. But the problem is, is that how are you going to grieve that loss is the question. The way you grieve it is very, very dangerous because if you don't grieve it properly, if you grieve it through God the right way, if you grieve it how the Lord wants you to grieve it, then you will see growth and all these things and you will be more in tuned with yourself, with God. It's always about growth. But here's the one thing grief does, if not grief properly, it will cause you to create an immune system to your emotions. It will cause you to have immunity towards your emotional state. Jacob, what do you mean? I mean anything bad that happens in your life, it does not phase you anymore because you are so immune to the problems in your life that you can't even process your emotions properly. That's what being immune to your emotions mean, that your immune system and your emotions are now stiff rather than soft and expressive. You are now caught back, and now you have been destroyed by this grief, but we're not taught how to grieve. We're not really taught in those aspects. And I've heard it from Pastor Brandon. I've heard it from other ministers that if someone died in a family or at a funeral, don't ever tell them, hey, just be strong. Don't cry. Be strong. That is downplaying emotion and creating an immune system for someone's emotion to where it's not good to build an immunity towards that. And that's what grief does. Grief is more of a, grief needs to be more of a growth process and more to learn about gratitude in your life rather than it be more of you becoming immune to what you have lost and the things that have happened in your life. I want to talk about death and loss for a quick second. And I want to address this in John chapter 14 because it might not be, I'm going to switch the topic. Maybe you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, you, 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 you try to live for him and you, and you try to read the word and you pray and all this stuff, but something inside of you is afraid of death. Am I the only one in this room that is afraid of death? Because for some of us in this room, because your spirit is not afraid of death because it doesn't die. But what's afraid of your death? What's afraid of death? The flesh. Your humanness is afraid of death. And I want to bring comfort to your, not just your f- flesh, because it's not supposed to be comfortable to the flesh. It's supposed to be comfortable to your soul. And I want to treat this, this, this fear in your life with John 14, verse 1 through 4. Jesus is, is, is promising something to his followers, and I want to show this to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to make a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. The nutshell of this scripture to comfort you as a believer is that Jesus has made a place. When you pass, when you go on to be with him, you have a place. The one fear, this is why we fear death sometimes, because because number one, you're going to miss earth. I don't care 
what people say. You're going to miss a piece of earth in your human body no matter what. Another thing is, is that you might be too comfortable with how you're living to the fact that you are afraid of death. That life is really great. That life is almost too good. And what that does is that it creates a comfort in your flesh. And now you are more afraid of death because you now cherish what the world has given you. And Jesus tells us not to do that. Jesus tells us to crucify ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. That's what he's called us to do. And if we don't learn how to do that properly, we will be more afraid of death than anybody in this world. He promises his followers a place in heaven and that he would return to take us there. Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I'm pretty sure this is my first point. I don't know if it's up there. God promises to work things out for our good. Is that up there? Okay. God promises to work things out for our good. Here's the problem. We are wanting an immediate response from God. And this is, and this is where we, this is where we lose because watch this. I'm going to show you how quick this is. I'm on my phone, right? Look how I get, look how fast I can get into Instagram. So Instagram's right there, right? Watch this. It's slower than usual, but it's fast. I literally just got into Instagram. Look, look, Facebook, bam. Whoa, what? I've gone into it so fast, and then I swipe up, bam. Everything, watch this, is so immediate. Everything is so quick. But the problem with our faith is that we think that God is slow. When in all reality, God is doing everything in his time. I preached this at Open Door for the event. He is conducting your life. When he says about Romans 8.28, he's conducting things. He's conducting the joy and the grief. He's conducting the, the happiness and the depression. He's, he's, sorry, I just heard that. I didn't know I was going to, I couldn't hear that. He's conducting all of these things in your life. So, so, so he's trying to show you that he is always in control and that he's always doing it. But the problem is, is that we think that, that he's not working. We think he's not working. A lot of, a lot of, even the disciples were afraid of what Jesus wouldn't do. They were on, they were on a boat. Jesus was sleeping at the bottom of the boat and they didn't say, Oh, yes, Jesus is on this boat. We're going to be okay. No, they were freaking out. They were wailing. Like little schoolgirls, they were wailing. They were freaking out. And Jesus told them they have little faith because even with Jesus in his physical form, the Son of God in his physical form, the disciples were still afraid of what would happen because they were overthinking. They were thinking about things that they really shouldn't be thinking about, but it was very, very tempting because of the situation that they were in. I've also learned something about the devil, and I was going to preach this in a message soon, but I might use it now. The devil, the de- we know when the devil's lying. We understand when the devil lies. It's like, no, bro, I'll, I'll flick you off like, like some type of like devil on my shoulder. Boom, you're gone. Adios, amigos, boom, gone. But the devil doesn't really attack me personally with a lie. The devil likes to attack me with reality. He likes to attack me with something that's real. 
What, what do I mean? I mean, he is using a bad report in your life. The devil likes to use a disappointment in your life, something that's reality, nothing that's a lie, but sometimes it's reality that he uses to distraught you. I'm more scared of reality than a lie because a lie is not true, but reality is, is, is real. It's real. That's what I'm more scared of. I'm not afraid of the devil telling me a lie. I'm not, I'm not that much of a punk. I'm not afraid of that. I'm more afraid of that bad report. I'm more afraid of losing someone. I'm afraid of death. The devil likes to use reality. Even though you don't understand why things happen, I want to tell you this. God promise, God's promise and presence is enough to help you endure. His promises on your life and his presence is enough because we want, we want God to do it, God. Set me free. Take me out of this, Lord. Let's go. Take me out. And the thing is, is that we're not treating God right when we do that. We're not treating God properly the way that we should. Because if you want God to take you out of something in your life, I'm going to say this very plainly, and don't get offended when I say it, you don't really care about God that much. Because you would rather him take you out, and then you use him when you're in trouble again, rather than let him walk you through it and create a relationship with you. You would rather God take you out, put you on a side, you're good for now, and then leave and you never talk to him again, you never pray to him again, you never read his word. But in the moment that your butt is in trouble, that's when we call on God the most. And that's not a bad thing. Always call on God, even when you're in trouble. But the problem that we run into is that we don't trust God even then. And we don't sit with him even then. We want him to take us out when really he wants to walk us through. Because if you're comfortable, growth won't happen. When you're comfortable and sitting in that lazy chair called contentment of life, you will always, most likely never grow if you do not have these things in your life. I'm not talking about, oh, a death in the family, God did it for a blessing and a purpose. I'm not, I'm not downplaying the reality of what's going on. But I know that if God didn't, do that, I know for sure he's going to use it. I know for sure that he's going to use whatever in your life that's bothering you, whatever in your life that's really killing you, trying to stop you from the purpose that he has for you. He's going to use that for your purpose, for his glory. That's what the point is. If you don't read your Bible, because he says it all out through his word, Romans 8.28 is the living proof. And like I said at Open Door, you signed up to love God. You signed up to make him your personal Lord and Savior. So you can't really just be by surprise thinking, oh, why did God let this happen? It says in his word that this would happen. He said, when you have trouble, when someone passes, when you have your heart broken, when these things happen, it will happen. But he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. Read your Bible. 
if you want to see how to really process grief the right way. You can read the story of Lazarus. Martha didn't go up to Jesus with contentment and joy and rejoicing. I'm pretty sure she went to cuss at Jesus. She left him at the gate. She, he, she didn't come in to let him cook or her cook for him. She had him at a distance because she was upset now. But he was there and she understood and she was okay with the fact that what was going on, he was using it for something because you have to grieve. You have to. The problem is not you grieving. It's the problem that it has become your grave. It has become the place that you dwell in. It has become the place now you are immune to anything that happens in your life and you can't process it properly because you have let it become your immunity. Your immunity. I want to jump all the way to this point, Matt, the last one. God will make all things new. Believe and trust his plan for your future. God will make all things new. Believe and trust his plan for the future. This whole series has been building up to this. The whole topic of this series is for you to escape to him. That's been the whole point of this series. It has not been about this and that for you to just hear, for you to just understand. This has always been about escaping to the one that benefits you rather than escaping to things that you have to buy and keep going back to. You got to drive to this place to get it. You have to pay this much money to get it. You have to, you have to disuse these values in your life to get it. You have to do all these things to get it. You have to do all these things to get it. But God is saying, let me be your escape. Let me be that place that you escape to. Let me be that outlet that you run to when nobody else is around, when you have nobody else to lean on because people won't always be there. I'm going to be there. And if you don't believe that, I'm sorry. Because if you believe it, then you will receive this. But if you don't believe that, Because he doesn't say to see it and feel it and then trust it. He says, believe and trust his plan. This means that you're going to have to do it even though nothing has happened yet. You have to do it even though nothing in your life is going good right now. You still have to believe it even though. And if you can do that, that takes humility because our pride is like, no, no, no. I need to feel this. I need to see this happen. I need to see this work right now. And here's our problem. We are asking too much and not even asking the right questions and not engaging with God. I can hear y'all in the back. Stop. Y'all, we don't engage the right way. God is really telling us to escape to him in these things. He is using every single moment. He's using everything to save you, everything to help you with your grief, everything. He is making all things new. But if you don't believe that, I'm sorry, I cannot help you. If you don't believe this, you can just leave, never come back to church because belief is what it takes. 
It doesn't take having to watch all of these different Bible videos and all these Christian TED Talk videos and trying to do all these things and try to get all this information. It's not about information. It's about faith. It's about his presence. It's about those things. It's not just about the reality. It's really about believing. If your faith is not put in it, what's the point? If you have let grief overthrow and now it has become your grave, God is right there to pull you out of that pit. And like I said, if you don't believe that, I can't help you. This is going to take God to do that. If you are in a pit, it's going to take God. It's not going to take your parents. It's not going to take me. It's not going to take that friend that thinks they know you, but they're not really like there. And it's not going to take anybody. If you're in a pit, you have to believe that God's going to do it. Yet I will be confident. I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Yet I am confident. I have not seen it, but I'm going to believe it anyways. If you would start to believe it and stop trying to feel it, then you will see God. God will be more evident. God is not just in your feelings. Yeah, you can feel his presence. It happens, you know. It's powerful sometimes. But if you don't feel anything, will you still let God do his thing in your grief, in your disappointments, in all of these things? Will you let God really? Because let me tell you all something. It's going to take you really trusting God and really believing that he's really going to do it. And you can't really rely on your own opinion. You can't really rely on your own feelings. You can't really rely on those things. They're good for a moment, but they're not the real answer. The answer is that God wants you to believe that it is better on the other side. But if you don't believe that, I pray that you do. Because if you don't believe it, I can't help you no farther from here. I can't help you no further. It's going, to, it's going to take for you to believe what he says. If you don't believe he's with you, I can't help you. If you don't believe that he's never going to leave you nor forsake you, I can't help you. If you can't believe that he died and rose again to wash your sins clean to where you don't have to feel like a mistake, you don't have to feel like a shameful human being, you don't have to feel like a pervert, you don't have to feel like these things, I cannot help you. Nobody can. It's almost like a hopeless thing. That's why there is hope. That's why Jesus died in order for you, because he wants you to know, he knows you can't do it on your own. He knows you can't grieve this right. He wants you to involve him. And if you would believe, and if you would take it into consideration, you will see God work his glory through it's not just the loss of somebody, which can be heavy. But you, everybody in here, no matter if it was a loved one or a relationship, you've lost something. You've lost something in your life. And it has caused you to be immune to everything bad that happens in your life. Oh, it's just another, this is just my life. This is just my luck. And it's a bad perspective because it's not the way God wants you to look at it. And it's not the way that God benefits you with. It's not going to work that way. It's going to take you 
you having faith doesn't mean you have to be optimistic and naive and, 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 and bubblegum and rainbows and all this stuff. You don't have to be like that. What it's going to take is that I have not seen it happen yet. A lot of stuff, a lot of bad things have happened in my life, but I'm going to believe this anyways. Because I've seen him do it in everybody else's life. And he's done it before in my life. I believe he's going to do it again. Well, Jacob, he hasn't done anything in my life yet. You have to believe and see it happen. You have to believe it even though it has not happened yet. It takes faith. Believing in Jesus is the answer to see your grief through. To see your grief through. So everyone in here has lost something. And I'm sorry for making you think about it. But God wants you to think about it. Because He wants you to He wants you to take Him there. He wants you to take Him there. Just like they did with Lazarus when when they turned the tomb, Martha was like, "No, it stinks in there. It's not good in there. Don't go look in there, Jesus. It's not. It's it's been four days. It's not nice." Jesus went anyways because he is not afraid. He's not afraid of what you're afraid of. Take him to that place. Take him to where you have not grieved yet. Take him, and if you take him to that place. I can bet, I can promise you, because he's done it for me. If he's done it for me, he can do it for you. He's not doing it for certain people because he has favorites. Real faith, Pastor Brandon talked about it. Real faith doesn't show no favoritism. No, God doesn't have favorites. He has favor, but he doesn't have favorites. You individually are his favorite. And you have to believe him. You have to see it. Maybe God's teaching you to see it before it happens. And it happens to a lot of us because a lot of us are people that want certainty. But God is teaching you trust. God is teaching you to trust him even though you don't know all of the answers or all of the facts. Why that loved one passed away, I don't know. Why that person broke up with you, I don't know. That person that walked away and y'all had a good friendship and you trusted them with all your heart and all this stuff and they just backstabbed you? I don't know. I don't know why God lets that stuff happen. I'm telling you right now. God is going to use it. God is going to use what you have gone through. He didn't say when you will get your heart broken, when that person will walk away. He says when you have trouble. That's another uncertain thing. When you have trouble. But he promises to be with you. That's the whole beauty of who God is. I would rather God be with me. I would rather have a relationship and him walk me through it rather than him just take me out. I don't grow and I don't get to know him. It's a big difference. You can get on the keys, Rachel. Uncertainty, I get it. Look, I'm a person that goes with the flow, and sometimes I need certainty. Sometimes I need to know what the next step is in my life, how to figure these things out. 
But let me tell you something. God is here. He is with us right now. And he is willing to get you through this. You have every right to grieve. You have every right to tell him what's going on. You have every right. A child has every right to tell how they're hurting to their parent. It should be. That should be the normal thing with a child and their parent. A child should be able to tell their parent, I'm hurting right now. That's who God is. That is your good father. He is always listening. Always. God's a good listener. God, we want God. Here's the thing though. When God is listening, we want him to do something. We want him to say something. But he's like, no, 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 I'm listening. You need to get through this first. Before he resurrected Lazarus, he heard Martha's cry. Before he resurrected the one that he loved, he heard. Martha was frustrated and Mary cried at his feet. He listens. He listens. He's hearing every, every, he hears every groan, every frustration that you don't utter. He hears all of that and he interprets that. knows all he knows how you're really feeling when you're lying to someone you know how we we i, I do this too it's i i get it we lie sometimes when people oh how are you how are you feeling i'm good because you don't trust that person i don't really know that person they, they're a good christian but they ain't my friend i don't know them. but god is somebody who already knows so why hide it from him When he knows, Jacob, if he knew, why didn't he do something? I don't know. Maybe he's teaching you something. I'm not God. I can't answer that for you. But he's teaching you something. Through grief, through disappointment, through that pain that you don't even tell your friend, the friend next to you. He knows every pain. He's the safest outlet. He is the safest outlet. The safest outlet. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? As we conclude this series, I've grieved a lot in my life too. I have grieved things that some of y'all go through. And when I hear it sometimes, it kind of stings a little bit. It's not y'all's fault. But when I hear certain things that y'all are going through, it stings me because I've been through that somehow, some way. And God always reminds me. He said, I need you to hear it from them because you've been through it. You've been through it. Another thing God's teaching you is that he's using that as a testimony. You're like, oh, I don't like that, Jacob. Why would he use this? This. And you know what this is. This. Why is he using this as a testimony? He's using it for somebody.
every head bowed. You might have a heavy grief. You might have a little grief. It doesn't matter how big or small it is. If you are struggling and you feel like you're going down to the point where that grief is becoming a grave for you, and you have been struggling, nobody looking around, if that's you, if you've been struggling with grief, whether it's a disappointment or an unmet expectation that has distraught your heart, whatever that is, whatever that grief is, nobody looking around, I want you to slip your hand up. I see your hand. I see three hands. I see another one. Keep your hand raised. I want to see it. Nobody looking around. This is between you and God. Raise your hand. I see that hand. See those four hands. Five, six. I want you to keep your hand raised. If there's a leader in this room, I just y'all can stay in your seat. I just want you to go lay hands on some of these students and pray over them. If you can, keep your hand raised. I want a leader to come pray over you. I want them to pray over you. Start with the littlest grief that you have right now that's really been bugging you and tell him. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to, because God is the safest place. There's no place in the presence of God to release a disappointment. There's nothing greater than to release a pain into the presence of God. Every leader in here has gone through some type of healing and they can tell you right now that he is the perfect safe place. He is the perfect place. He's the perfect outlet. Thank you, Jesus. Tell him what it is. Tell him the littlest grief. He, he's not gonna make fun of you. He's not gonna judge you. He's not gonna tell you, oh, just man up, woman up, it's pointless. He's going to sit there and listen like he always does because God is a, he is a good father. He's going to listen. 
he's going to listen. Father, I pray that that you would that you would be that your presence would flood every cry. That your presence would flood every weep, every pain, every disappointment, every grief. Lord, I pray that your presence would surround them so that the grief cannot become their grave. That they don't have to be immune to pain anymore. Lord, that they can say what they're feeling in your presence because your grace is so sufficient and it's so powerful that it's it's giving us the space, the grace space the space in our life, Lord, where we need your grace. When we're dealing with something, Lord, we need your grace to give us the space to release any pain that we're dealing with. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence, that it is warm, that it is comforting, that it is a place where you want to build a relationship upon, where our our relationship with you can can grow and that we can get to know you more. We get to know who you are. We get to know who we are. We want to know you, God. Lord, teach us through these griefs. Sit with us. Sit with us like you did with Martha and Mary and Lord, teach us like you did it to Lazarus. Lord, I pray that you would restore every emotion. I pray that you would redeem every frustration, that you would redeem, and Lord, let the immune system of our emotions go down to where we can receive your your infectious presence, your infectious grace, your infectious mercy, your love that is contagious. Let our immune system to the pain in our life go down in order for your love to be the virus within us, that we can get the contagious love that you have given to us because you are a good father. Thank you, Lord, for this series. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you that you are you have been speaking since week one. You have been speaking, not just answering questions, but you have been, you have been working yourself through this all along. Because sometimes we're not going to get an answer. Sometimes we're just going to get you. And that is enough. That is enough for me and them. So, Father, I ask, Lord, that your presence would be the answer. That your presence is the clarity to to our confusion. That your presence would would flow through us. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for tonight. I pray a blessing over every student and every leader and every person that's in this room. I pray that this series falls on fertile soil, Lord. And if they want to go listen listen to it again on a podcast or, Lord, to share with someone who needs it. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would use this series as not just a spiritual guru sermon, but as a place to know that your presence is the escape. That time with you is the escape. We thank you, Lord, that you are working in right now and that your presence is always with us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.